This program is brought to you by the Assembly of Geeks, geek content for a geeky world. Visit us at assemblyofgeeks.com. around here that we love Dave Filoni and all the work the Lucasfilm team is doing on Star Wars Rebels. Caitlin and I have loved following the Ghost crew on their missions. We love piecing together the formation of the Rebellion. Season 3 was no exception, and we are excited to dive right in. Welcome to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Charlotte Airdy. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Um, so Caitlin, how has the past few weeks been? Well, obviously we've got celebration coming up in a couple of weeks. So yes. that's pretty much all we've been talking about and thinking about. Um, unfortunately, right now I'm in school. So this is also the um, crunch time for school. So I've been pretty much living at school this past week on campus working. I think I had about three projects due this week. Um, So I've been doing that. Uh, A couple days ago, I was on campus up there about seven o'clock in the morning. And I was the only one there. And that's I started watching Revenge of the Sith like really loudly in the building until about 9am when people started coming in. I don't think I've ever watched Star Wars that early in the morning. So (laughs) the earliest (laughs) we've ever watched it was like 10. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. When we the last time we marathoned, yeah. it was, I hadn't watched Revenge of the Sith in a while though, so I forgot how sassy Anakin and Obi Wan are in the beginning of that movie, um, yeah. and also how beautiful that whole space scene is. The single um, shot, their, like, mm-hmm. like it looks so good, and you're just reminded about how much George Lucas has done for like CGI and technology um and filmmaking and that was back in 2005 and it still looks really nice that opening arc in revenge of the sith and it has really like withstood the test of time i think i know we talked about this when we discussed all three of the trilogies about watching shadow and light in revenge of the sith and i took my own advice and rewatched <laughs> for shadow and light in revenge of the sith and it is all over the place and it's fabulous it's really good you really it's it's fun watching revenge of the sith as a piece of art almost yes Um, not even in the sense of filmmaking as an art but just like as a picture (laughs) yeah like a painted cgi picture because that's what it is it really is it is is. so many of the shots are like retouched to yeah achieve a certain look and it works totally Unfortunately, we're not talking about Revenge of the Sith this episode, Um, but before we start on Rebels, what have you been up to for the past couple of weeks? I have been seriously prepping for Celebration. Um, That's basically it. With so many announcements coming out and it's like all, all the scheduling coming out, it's impossible not to be excited. And for our listeners who are not going to Celebration, I'm sure we will have some content available. We'll be posting on social media. You can feel like you're there. Yes. Um, And let's talk about number one is that Mark Hamill is going to be at Celebration. I know. Thank God. Uh, We were so nervous. I know. (laughs) 
Okay, I never doubted him for a second. You knew that Mark Hamill was going to be at Celebration. It would have been ridiculous if he had not been at Celebration. We all know this. I never doubted you, Mark, if you're listening. I remember that moment when we found out that Mark Hamill was coming to Celebration 5, and I literally had a panic attack in my kitchen, and I called you and was just screaming into the phone. Yes. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I can't forget that. That was great. Yeah. And then I immediately <laughs> called my parents and was like, please, if you love me at all, buy me tickets to meet Mark <laughs> I'm glad that we did that back in 2010 because they're really expensive. And meeting Mark is an amazing experience and I recommend it to anyone, but I am really glad that we have already done it. I know, me too. I want to say it was still pretty expensive back then, yeah, but it was. he was the most a lot expensive. more now. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was a lot. He's a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it made me think that I'm really hoping because at Celebration Five, I got that little Lego Luke keychain, and poor Lego Luke, he lost his Lego limbs, and <laughs> I had to throw him away finally. Um, but just all this Mark Hamill talk over the past couple of days got me thinking about how much Luke Skywalker merch I want to get at oh, Celebration. Yes. <laughs> Save the yeah, because there's gonna be a lot. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm so excited. Okay, we should probably start talking about Rebels, right? Yes, yes. yeah. That is what this episode is all about. Um, so, mm-hmm. Caitlin, what has been your favorite episode of Rebels this season? My favorite episode. There have been. We'll probably get into this, but there have been a lot of critiques of this season about how sometimes it's been, it's not been as memorable as the past two seasons. And I think that is pretty true for the most part for me. There have definitely been some standout moments. The episodes I like, I really like. And then there's not a whole ton that I remember about some of the smaller episodes throughout Rebels this season. But probably my favorite episode has been Twin Sons, I think. Okay, so Charlotte, what has been your favorite episode of Rebels this season? Um, my favorite episode has been Trials of the Darksaber. I think it really mm-hmm. built super well, and I thought the music, the editing, um, the animation, the voice acting, everything was top-notch for me, and I really loved it and totally responded to it. And because of that, we are going to talk in part one all about Sabine. And then in part two, we're going to be talking about my favorite episode of the season, Twin Sons. We'll be discussing Obi-Wan and Maul. And then in part three, we're going to be talking about Zero Hour, and we're really going to get into Ezra, Thrawn, and Kanan. So without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to part one. Um, we are so excited to start talking about Sabine. Um, I think, yeah, I think that she had a really good character progression throughout this season. And I think when I look back, she stands out to me as someone who had a really big like moment with a capital M. So, Caitlin, how do you think her character progressed during the series? Well, just to start off with, I think you're absolutely right that she was definitely a standout for this season and it's about time am i I right yeah (laughs) um yeah they they kind of definitely needed to be doing this character development with her given that this is the third season now and this is the first time we've really gotten into really into the meat of her backstory um but i think she had a great character character progression honestly trials of the dark saber was definitely a standout for me i think it was for everyone um and 
getting to see her go through that emotional turmoil um, throughout that episode, I don't think we've really seen that in a lot of other characters on Rebels. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I agree with you. I think that, honestly, she has been kind of a question mark. She's a really cool character, has really awesome armor, and is, like, able to do all these cool things. Like, I love that about her. And But I think that she had been kind of undefined. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. in this, you know, in this season, we really got to see her come into her own about um, dealing with her issues with her mom and her family and going back to Mandalore. And I think the way that that really progressed in Trials of the Darksaber, it felt like such a unique episode. It really did, because to have followed her throughout that whole episode, there weren't other subplots really going on. You know, it was just about Sabine Mm -hmm. um, and just about what she was going through. And then it was really fun. Another part I really loved about that episode was seeing Kanan and Hera talk about Sabine and being total space parents about it. (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, but it was really interesting how Kanan had to reevaluate how he could help Sabine because she wasn't the same as Ezra. I think that's something I've always really loved about Kanan's development that we see in pockets throughout the series is him grappling with the fact that he doesn't feel like he's a good teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then for him to be able to really help Sabine in this moment and to push her to that limit where she kind of had that breaking point, that good kind of breaking point, I really enjoyed. Um, I also just have to say that I loved the moment with Bendu when he just kind of woke up from his slumber and smiled back at Sabine (laughs) and she didn't really even notice. Um, But I loved that moment. I I was like, Bendu! (laughs) Um, You love Bendu? I do. A side note on Bendu, in the past, after this series finale, season finale, excuse me, and Dave Filoni in Rebels Recon was talking about Bendu, and he says, I think Bendu is really just this guy who likes to sleep, and um, everyone just keeps waking him up. And I really think that that's why I relate to Bendu on such a personal level, because I, too, like to sleep, and things and people keep waking me up, so... (laughs) Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bendu is me. I am Bendu. I know the secrets of the Force. Um, all that good stuff. Okay, but back to Sabine. Okay, so this is definitely threw me for a loop. Her exit from the Ghost Crew, I have to say, that really shocked me. I, I was not expecting it at all. What did you think about that? I have total mixed feelings. And after she left, I didn't expect that we'd see her in the finale. And I was really happy that we did. Because I think that they brought her back in, like, a very good way. A lot of people thought that they brought her back too soon, though. Like, maybe, but she helped, and I think that was great. I don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. have, like, a lot of emotions about, like, if they brought brought her back too soon. Like, I was sad that she was gone, so any existence of Sabine in a finale episode I'm happy with. True. I think some people were saying that it lessened the shock of her leaving the ghost crew. It lessened the impact of that by having her return a couple episodes later. I see that. And you know, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I see that too. But and people have made a good point that if Trials of the Darksaber had been earlier in the season, Mm -hmm. um, it would have it would have made it would have been more impactful to see her again in Trials of the Darksaber because we would have had more time to miss her, essentially. It's interesting because when they got the Darksaber, the go- that was the Ghost of Geonosis episodes, which were so mm-hmm. good. And yeah. they couldn't introduce Saw before then. So you have to wonder if they had slated that particular episode to be earlier. You know what I mean? But they couldn't with the timing of Rogue One and the inclusion of Saw Gerrera. 
Yeah, I hadn't thought about that because, before. Because you're right. If it was earlier and Sabine had left and she was, like, totally absent throughout, I wonder if her coming back would have been, like, so exciting. And I think it would have been. Oh, I definitely think it would have been. Because can you imagine once um, Ezra had gotten through the blockade in Zero Hour and had realized that Mon Mothma wasn't going to help him? And he, you know, he's on that at that point of, oh, my God, like, everyone is counting on me. And then, and then you see Sabine next. I feel like that would have been some really great payoff there. Totally. The thing that like was brought up in Legacy of Mandalore that I really liked was issues with mothers, and you really never see that in Star Wars these days. I mean, Padme as a character is kind of thrown to the side often. You know, there's like only one conversation of Luke and Leia talking about um, their mother in Return of the Jedi, and it doesn't really have like a lot of impact. And I think that Star Wars is definitely going on a really good path by dealing with this familial familial relationship. You know, you know what I mean? What do you think? Yeah, it is it is nice to see because you always hear that Star Wars is the Skywalker I almost said Skytalker <laughs> is the Skywalker saga, the saga of the Skywalker family. And so but for how much weight is put on that family, we don't see really anyone else's family. Um, we got kind of touches of Ezra's family, but his parents are long gone, so we don't see them ever, you know, existing in the present moment in Star Wars Rebels. Um, that We're only seeing hollows and, like, memories of them. So yeah. it was really nice to see a family for one of our main characters. You know what I mean? And, I mean, we saw Hera's father, too, mm-hmm. earlier in the season. That's true, um, because we had known him from Clone Wars. Yeah. So to see Sabine's mom and brother, um, the fact that she has this whole other family on the other side of the galaxy, well, now they're together, um, (laughs) and also kind of had this tumultuous relationship, I thought was really interesting. And I think it was cool how you could see this war tearing families apart and for Sabine to have this really um, deep moral issue with what she had done that caused her to leave Mandalore and how she had done it for her family, but in doing so had lost her family. And if you think about it, that's kind of what happened to Anakin. In Anakin's mm-hmm. head, he was doing what he did to save Padme. And in that action, that's that's how he lost her. Wow, more <laughs> sadness. More yeah. sadness in the Star Wars universe. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> so where do you think Sabine's story is going after this season? It seems like they are going towards a spinoff or a novel, or if they're even going to have like maybe like a five-episode arc about her. Like, What do you think? Wow. I would love to see more of Sabine. I would rather have her have a five-episode arc or... Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd love a book about Sabine, but I'd rather see her in Rebels as much as we can. Me too. Yeah, you know, um, don't get me wrong, I love Star Wars books, but Star Wars has always predominantly been a screen medium, as in TV and film. So I think, yeah, so I think think our main characters should stick there as much as they can. Um, But obviously, I mean, I love the book, books and stuff that we get, but... There's a lot of them recently. <laughs> Overwhelmingly, which is like amazing. There, <laughs> so that's yeah, great. I mean, don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's great to have all of these new books and adventures and stories and stuff that relate to, you know, the different timelines that are going on within the Star Wars universe. But 
at the end of the day, I like seeing my Star Wars characters on screen. Yeah, me too. The thing is about Rebels is that it's not, you know, in when we had the Clone Wars, they really focused on arcs and a lot of them were like out of sequence and that gave them the room to expand on like characters and focus in like on certain aspects and stories and tell a complete story within like three episodes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Rebels doesn't necessarily do that. So I have a hard time thinking like whether or not she'll have like a really big like five episode arc or so. Well, we've talked about this before about Rebels and their lack of arcs, but I think that's just been the nature of this season. Yeah. I think if they had if there was a five episode arc or story plan for Sabine, they would do it. I don't think they would say, oh, you know, we haven't had as many arcs in the Rebels, so we can't do it. Yeah. What I was, what I mean though, is that I think that there might, maybe there's something on the horizon that we don't, we can't even imagine. Like maybe there's going to be a movie. Like what's up with that? Like Mandalorian piece of concept art they focused in so much on Rebels Recon. That is. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'll explain. I'll explain that for you. I got all the answers. Me and Pablo, you know, (laughs) we're friends. (laughs) I can't. I don't know. I just feel like there's something big that's about to happen with the Mandalorian like civil war (laughs) so yeah (laughs) it would be interesting if Rebels completely shifted its focus or maybe maybe like a new series that's going to be all about Mandalore you know maybe there will be and you know what I'll watch it but it's definitely not my (laughs) Sabine has made me interested in the Mandalorian stuff but I before wasn't so maybe with like new characters and everything we'll see I don't know. This is yeah, but Ma- Mandalore, everyone, there are a lot of people that low-key love Mandalore. I know. It's you like know? a huge market, I think. It's a huge market, and it's a huge thing. We've never gotten into it. I don't know why, but <laughs> maybe we will. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I've been thinking, It's. I feel like it's every couple of days I've been texting you about these like really random, crazy theories I've been thinking about. <laughs> um, so maybe we'll be doing like a Sabian-centered comic or TV show. I don't know. I hope they keep her in TV format. I do, too. Because, like, um, what's the actress who plays her? Tia? Tia, I don't remember her her last name. Uh, Is it Sakar? It is Tia Sarkar. Sarkar. Okay, I was close. Did you ever watch the um, the movie Atlantis? Like, Disney movie Atlantis? Yeah. There's a girl in there who also likes to blow things up. And I've always thought about her when I watch Rebels and look at Sabine because they're both like mechanics mm-hmm. in a sense and they both like play with dynamite and like blowing things up. Um, they're the so, same character. Disney movie theory, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that we should move on to talking a little bit about Twin Sons and Obi-Wan and Maul, but certainly mm-hmm. the future for Sabine is... I don't want to say bright because she's on Mandalore and that seems like a kind of sad place right now, but it's definitely an interesting future on the horizon. Definitely.
Welcome to part two of Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. And in this section, we are going to be talking all about Obi Wan and Maul and that fateful duel on Tatooine in Twin Suns. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I know it was a pretty controversial episode for the most part. At least it seemed like it from what we saw on social media. What was your first reaction to it, Charlotte? I really loved it. I love things with slow builds and like quiet quietness and like things where they really trust the viewer to like really get into it and they don't pander to like mm-hmm. young kids by like flashy things. I, that's what I really loved about Twin Sons. You know, I sympathize with people who say that they wish that it focused more on Obi-Wan and his time there than Ezra, but we have to remember that Rebels is all, not all about, but Ezra is the main character of Rebels, and his journey is quite important, and he had to learn a lesson in this moment, and I'm really glad that he crossed paths with Maul. Okay, well, I loved it, Um, (laughs) but... (laughs) um, just to piggyback off of what what you were just saying about Ezra, one thing I love about Rebels, just the the concept of Rebels, is that we have this, you know, the Phoenix Squadron crew, and they're going through, and they're a part of the start of the rebellion, and all the, you know, all this stuff. But I love when you kind of see their paths cross with our legacy characters, so like Mon Mothma, Leia, um, Obi Wan, and you kind of get to see from the periphery how all of the pieces are lining up when we get to, you know, a new hope. I think that's something that's really cool. So I'm glad that we don't spend a ton of time with those characters in Rebels because I think it, I think to a certain degree, it would take away the magic of finally seeing them in new hope, in a new hope and realizing that they have had separate adventures between the time we saw them in Rebels and when we meet up with them again in a new hope. It's nice not to have everything laid out for us. Me too. I am still holding on hope that we get that Obi-Wan spinoff anthology film. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I want, I need the (laughs) Obi-Wan spinoff film. And, like, maybe then we, maybe then, no, we will see then, if they make that movie, (laughs) a a clearer story of what Obi-Wan was up to during that time period. Um, Mm -hmm. But the Obi-Wan that we do see in um, Twin Suns is so... First off, new voice actor. Uh, first off, Stephen Stanton. <laughs> Give all praise. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So good. Yeah. Miss James Arnold Taylor, but I really do think mm-hmm. Stephen Stanton did an amazing job. It's kind of cool how the um, animation has worked very much like the films did. You know, it's like you had Sir Alec Guinness for the original trilogy, and then you had Ewan McGregor for the prequels, and then we started with James Arnold Taylor, and now we have Stephen Stanton for the um, original trilogy version of Obi-Wan. It's, it's kind of a little bit of a parallel, I yeah. guess. Totally agree. The thing is, is that when we see Obi-Wan, he, like I said, he's different. But what's so interesting is when Maul senses that he's protecting someone, he goes into like full Jedi protector mode. And it is so awesome. That was the moment that gave me chills. And I was like, wow. The moment that gave me chills is when um, at the end... I feel like I'm getting ahead of uh, myself again. But the moment that gave me chills was when Obi-Wan is holding Maul after he died or as he's about to die. And um, Maul says, the chosen one will avenge us. Um, That gave me chills because, again, who's the chosen one? Is it Anakin? (laughs) Okay. All right. 
listen to my crazy theory. The second I heard Maul think of that, say that, first my head immediately went to Luke. And then I thought, okay, Luke can't avenge the Sith because he's a Jedi. And then my second thought was, oh my God, what if Luke turned to the dark side in episode eight? He can't. And he actually does avenge Maul. What if Rebels just dropped the biggest freaking spoiler on episode eight ever? I'm shooting this down. No. Mike, drop (laughs) out. No. This is not. No. Luke is not (laughs) turning to the dark side. I know. It would. No, I don't. I don't think Luke is turning to the dark side. But But all of that happened in my head in the span of about three seconds. So. (laughs) I honestly, like, you're onto something, though, with what Maul saying could come true in some form within the next mm-hmm. two episodes. I think it has to. I think it will too. I don't think he would have said that if it wasn't going to have some sort of repercussion later down the line. Yeah. And the thing that's like everyone got so fired up on social media about how Obi-Wan thinks Luke is the chosen one versus Anakin. And the thing that you just have to remember is that Obi-Wan's head wasn't super clear. I mean, Luke is the only one that thought Vader could be redeemed. Anakin could be redeemed. Yeah. Of course he thought that Luke was instead the chosen one who could bring peace to the galaxy. That's Obi-Wan's truth. See, yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And even in Revenge of the Sith, because I just watched it, um, (laughs) Yoda says, you know, a prophecy misread might have been or, you know, something garbled like that. Um, So, I, I mean, I've always viewed Luke as the chosen one because... The Chosen One is supposed to bring balance to the Force, and Luke did bring balance to the Force when he brought Vader back from the dark side. Yeah. You know, so I kind of, I mean, I see both sides, honestly. I tend to lean towards Luke being the Chosen One, but after when Luke, or when Obi-Wan is watching Luke run across to mm-hmm. Baru, that, oh my god, chills. That's my background right now on my computer, is really? that... No, legit. (laughs) And it's a really good background. It is. It's really blurry because I can't find a good shot of it quite yet, but I'm keeping it. You have to screenshot. (laughs) Just know that that moment I I got chills. I didn't think we would see Luke. By the time we got to that point in the episode, I was like, okay, well, we're not going to see Luke um, because Maul was kind of the big moment. Um, And then you see him, his little baby Luke running across the... The sands, and it was just beautiful. <laughs> did, you, did you see that they used the same animation model as Ezra for that shadow? Oh, no, I didn't know that. It's interesting because I think people forget this all the time, that Ezra and Luke and Leia are all the same age because they were all born, I think, on the same day. Because isn't Ezra's birthday Empire Day? And that's the day. That, yeah, yeah, it is. And so, of course, they would use the same model because they're the same age. And I kind of like that. Do you think Empire Day would technically be the day that that yeah. all that happened in Revenge of the Sith? I think it is. It might be the day after. Who knows? I, what is? But what they're is all time? like, do you just ask, what is time? What is time in a galaxy far, far away? <laughs> yeah, but basically they're all a couple of days apart. But we need to talk about Maul because we haven't really discussed Maul yet in this little section. Were you glad to see Maul go? Were you sad? Yes. Yes. I was, did I you think cry? Was, I did not cry. It was time for Maul to go. He had been around and resurrected, and this was the perfect end to his story. I think that the way that Obi-Wan killed him by using the same move that that Maul used to kill Qui-Gon is so poetic and amazing, and I yeah. think that that was, like, the perfect way to go. 
I do I think, think so that too. the whole fight was a little quick and I see people's complaints about that, but I still like the way it, they went about doing it. I think it I think it was absolutely perfect and to be honest when Maul stumbles forward right after that move. I didn't even realize really that that's what had happened, that Obi-Wan had killed him. I thought, I don't know what I thought, but I was, I was very surprised when he did die. I, I mean, I think we were all kind of expecting it to happen. Um, but the fight really did surprise me in how short it was, but I really liked it. I think it's the only way it could have been done. And it lines up with how Obi-Wan fights Vader in A New Hope too. That's true. I was listening to Sam Whitmere on um, Full of Sith podcast, and let's just take a small second to talk about how brilliant Sam Whitmere is. So good. Um, <laughs> if, so good. And If he wants to come on, if, if Sam, you are listening, do, if you want to come <laughs> on Sky Talkers This Galactic Life, hit us up. DM us, yes. please. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I love about Sam Whitmere, and really everyone that works on Rebels, is just how much they get Star Wars and they really think about where these characters are and what's going through their heads and trying to realize them in a real world, I think. Um, and I think that I think that's really cool. But anyway, on Full of Sith, Sam was talking about how um, every time that we've kind of seen these new iterations of Maul throughout Clone Wars and Rebels, he's really been, Maul has been surrounded by death. I mean, when we see him in Rebels, he's literally on Malachor in um, a battlefield graveyard. You know, he's kind of um, always been around death. Um, and for me, this was just kind of this indicate when he said that it got me thinking about Maul and kind of his whole trajectory throughout the universe and about how it's this really big indicator that Maul's been living this life that he was never really supposed to live. Um, he was supposed to die that day in the Phantom Menace. And I don't mean that like they shouldn't have brought Maul back in Clone Wars and Rebels. I'm glad they did. But it just kind of points to this this idea that Maul is going through motions and he's never going to find peace because he was never supposed to be living this part of his life. Um, and I think that it's, this is also why it could only have ever been Obi-Wan who finally killed Maul. And I think that the time frame that you have Obi-Wan killing Maul is perfect because Obi-Wan killing Maul wasn't an act of revenge. It was to save Luke. It was to protect Luke. Um, if I think if Maul and Obi-Wan had met up shortly after the events of Order 66, I think Obi-Wan would have killed Maul out of an act of revenge. I think Obi-Wan would have been filled with so much rage after losing, you know, losing Qui-Gon, the Order, the Jedi, Anakin. Um, Obi-Wan like having nothing, literally having nothing. Um, being exiled, being, I mean, can you imagine Obi-Wan's state of mind when he goes to Tatooine? And if Maul had showed up on Tatooine, you know, shortly after, that would have been a duel of the fates kind of battle. So I think it had to be, Obi-Wan had to have that isolation to find his purpose again in protecting Luke and to believe in that purpose again before he could have um, met with Maul again and kind of given Maul the peace that he needed because Maul was never going to find peace in a world where Obi-Wan was still living and Obi-Wan was never going to give up protecting Luke, you know? So mm -hmm. I, I think, I think it was really perfect how they did it. Um, and how it was a quiet battle. Um, because I think that that's what it had to boil down to. Um, for me. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, it lines up with the events of A New Hope really nicely. Definitely. 
I bet that Dave has had this planned all along and like had wanted this to be Maul's ending for a really long time and that it would have to come down like maybe Luke had to be even though Luke isn't there it's Luke Luke is involved in this duel you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah and I think that that's why they kept him around so that it had a bigger significance for even Obi-Wan's story and Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely well, it's interesting when, because now when we see Obi-Wan in A New Hope and he is talking about Vader and talking to Luke about that time and reminiscing about the Clone Wars, you can, I mean, in that moment, it's been, I mean, who knows, at most a couple years since he's killed Maul. And that's probably still weighing on him or, or part of the burden that he bears. Um, in this kind of isolated life. And you can almost read that into Alec Guinness's performance, probably some too. Um, obviously, you can't read that a ton because <laughs> Alec Guinness didn't know about it. But I think it gives new layers to how you could interpret some of what Obi-Wan is saying to Luke in A New Hope. Alec Guinness has always had such a like a wistful, like mm-hmm. <laughs> thoughtful performance that you can put so much <laughs> into it. You know what I mean? You can. You can. <laughs> It's like that, um, I can't remember if this was official or fan-made or what it was, but there's that cut trailer for Revenge of the Sith when it's cut together with scenes from... It's official. From, it's, it's official? Okay, yeah. yeah. Where it's cut together with scenes from Revenge of the Sith, and Obi-Wan says, you know, I fought with your father in the Clone Wars, and then it cuts to those scenes of them together, you know, doing some space battles, and it goes in and out like that, and, you know, Alec Guinness rubbing his chin wistfully, remembering, and you're just like, I see it. I believe that Alec Guinness has seen Ewan McGregor perform as Obi-Wan and is thinking of that scene. You know, that that, that trailer was so good, and they had a lot it's, to do there, and it, it, it worked. <laughs> it worked 158%. Mm-hmm. 58. You know, More than 50, but less than 200%. <laughs> another thing that I loved about Twin Sons is that it made me love Chopper exponentially more. Oh, yeah. I mean, we haven't even talked about Ezra and <laughs> Chopper yet that moment of Chopper and Ezra, or of Chopper shutting down and Ezra just sitting by him in the sandstorm. I mean, talk about emotions. It was so good. It was so good. I was like, man, Chopper, like, you're always so grumpy, but here in this moment, you're the best. You're the real MVP, Chopper. Yes. <laughs> it was. I love, and that indecision Chopper had of, because, you, you know, it, it mimics the, the C-3PO and R2-D2 mm-hmm. from A New Hope, where it's like, oh, I'll go this way, you rusted bucket of bolts. Um, and then Chopper makes the decision to follow Kanan, but you can see him like, oh, do I, do I not, what do I do? And then he finally follows after him. Follow Ezra. Um, he follows Ezra, and it was, it was sad. It was sad to see them kind of at a really low point but and well something that just to talk about Sam Witwer some more because you can never talk about him enough um he was talking about the first time he saw this episode was in a movie theater and he said it completely like it's it's so cinematic and you can't really have that same feeling when you're watching it like on your computer or on like a regular size tv at home and I can totally see that the sand the sweeping vistas we get of Tatooine I can't imagine how great that looks in a movie theater i know it's so beautiful i really you did not go with me but years ago when maul was brought back and they had this uh-huh. Oprez, i know you're one so, of my you're, biggest regrets you're so bitter but the, so bitter. the savage oppress um arc and they brought it to theaters and i went in atlanta and it was like 
I didn't think I would be that into Savage Press, but you know what? It was really great to see it all together <laughs> on on a movie in a movie theater, you know? And I yeah. I really wish that they did something like that. Like, you know how they have like special like operas that they um bring back on at the movie theater? Like, let's bring back some episodes of Clone Wars or let's let's bring back some episodes of Rebels and put I them like on how the- you're you're likening the Star Wars Rebels episodes to like these random operas that these movie theaters will bring back. Yep, that's what they need. <laughs> <laughs> like, no offense to operas, like I think they're great, but you know, Star Wars is a space opera. Exactly. After all, all it's aspects true. of it that in a visual medium need to come back on the screen. I'd go to that. Me too. Go, I'm pretty sure it was something for school that I couldn't go to the Savage Press. So once again, school's just getting in the way too much. <laughs> school sucks. <laughs> PSA, school sucks. <laughs> Lastly, do you think that we'll see Obi-Wan again in Rebels? I don't. Um, I don't either. I, I don't think that he's coming back and I don't really want him to. After seeing this moment of Luke, like happy on tattooing and like being called like I don't know if he's happy you know (laughs) being called by Aunt Beru it's like his place is on tattooing and getting too close to him by getting too close to Obi-Wan I don't think I want that the only thing that I want from Obi-Wan's story is a film and I know that they touch Mm -hmm. on Obi-Wan and Luke's like relationship in the comics which has been amazing but I don't think we need to see that in Rebels I don't think there's a place for it in Rebels. Rebels is about the formation of the Rebellion. Yeah, I don't think so either. Luke's not there yet, and I don't think he needs to be in it. Well, I think the closer, the more you include Obi-Wan, the closer you're getting to Luke. And Luke really needs to be saved for A New Hope. I mean, again, I would love to see Luke in Rebels, but you got to keep him for the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. The original trilogy is all about Luke and that's where he shines. And um, it's nice to, to see him for the first time then. And only then I think Agreed. Um, when we, cause it's such a great scene when you, when the Jawas come up on their farm, their moisture farm, it, and you see him for the first time, you can just see all of the potential, like through the music and the setting, you know, you just know that like something's about to happen. And um, it's nice that that's where we first meet him. Agreed. Okay, so I feel like we should wrap this discussion up and go straight on into the discussion of Zero Hour. There's definitely a lot to talk about there. part three we're going to be talking about zero hour in this section and we'll also be discussing the character arcs for some of our other uh rebels throughout the season so what did you think of zero hour as a finale in comparison to other finales that we've seen so far well it definitely doesn't compare to last season with ahsoka and vader um that's a really so emotional (laughs) yeah you had kanan going blind you had sith and 
<laughs> you had Sith, you had Maul and Ezra and that relationship. And then, I mean, Vader and Ahsoka, that, I mean, mind blown and mind is still blown about everything that happened there. Um, hashtag Ahsoka lives. Um, <laughs> but I really liked Zero Hour, actually. There were a lot of moments in this episode where I gasped. <laughs> I really liked, and I use the word like very generally because it was really sad, but the moment that Sato died and sacrificed himself for the rebellion was was a really emotional moment. I, I think I teared up, actually. Um, he's been, you know, in the background throughout so much of the Rebels' adventures, and then for him to have that moment, for that to be how he goes out, um, it was it was intense. It was very intense. Um, the rest of Zero Hour, I thought... I thought the battle was really well done. I thought it was very cinematic. Um, and I know we said that about Twin Sons too, but I think this was cinematic in a different way. Uh, I thought it was exciting to watch everything, all the pieces fall into place throughout the two episodes. Um, do I think it was the best season finale of Rebels? No, again, Ahsoka kind of tops everything in my book, but I really enjoyed it. Um, what did you think overall? I, I agree with you. I think that it was really fun. And you know what? It reminded me of some of the episodes that were happening in the beginning of Rebels that were like, while the stakes were super high in Zero Hour, I think that the space battles were so fun to watch. And mm. um, it kept me glued the entire time. Yeah, it really did. It really did. I, I, I didn't really know how it was going to end. Yeah, you know, either. I wasn't sure if there was going to be a happy ending or if... They were going to get out. I was really shocked when Mon Mothma said that she wasn't coming. Um, that really surprised me. Callus, uh, I was surprised he lived. Callus gave me a lot of tension throughout this episode. Um, I love him. Kept... Oh, yeah. Um, I'm really glad Callus didn't die. Um, the Kanan and Ezra moments where Ezra tells basically tells Kanan how much he means to him. And it's like, you're teaching me how to be a better man which is more important to me than how to be a better Jedi. Like, wow. heartbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, and ugh, Kanan and Hera talking about how they're a space family and literally, like, the family's back together again. Hera um, calling Kanan love was, like, the cutest thing ever. And I live for oh moments like that. <laughs> so, so more praise. And I'm, like, ready for more. them to get space married. <laughs> I, so. I think I'll... Oh my gosh. And then Benzu, um, that was, that was crazy. And oh my gosh, Thrawn, um, Thrawn having that moment of weakness with Bendu was so awesome. Um, cause we haven't really seen that. And it was fun to see Thrawn outside of his ship. Um, and I, um, the one thing I really loved about this episode as someone who is an art historian, or that's what I got my undergraduate degree in is when Thrawn is talking to Callus. Uh, about how he knows where the base is because he has studied the art and culture of these places and he like referenced this old map for how he knows where this star system is and that's that's a real nerd moment of like going through archival material of literal maps and things like that and that's what I do a lot in school so I really appreciated that moment in Rebels. I really loved like Caitlin and I, I think, are both still in the middle of the Thrawn trilogy. We are, yes. we, I know, we're like noobs with that. But <laughs> something that I really loved that they kept in 
when they brought Thrawn into Rebels is his love for art and like that's how he mm-hmm. determines things and I think that is such a char- really good character trait for It's him. really cool and I liked how we got the payoff of it at the end that we've seen him you know with his collection throughout the season but now it's really helped him tactically mm-hmm. in the finale I thought that was really nice Definitely. Um, also the one I loved the organs that were Thrawn's theme I thought it matched him and his personality so great Kevin Kiner is so channeling Hans Zimmer <laughs> in Parts of the Caribbean with oh yeah um the Kraken theme and uh-huh. it works so well <laughs> I love <laughs> and he it so rocks much it. yes yeah because I mean how often do we hear the organs in Star Wars you know not that often But now now that you say that, I might have to go back and, like, listen for them because Mm -hmm. maybe they have some hints and some dark side themes. I bet they do. Maybe. I'm just – because Thrawn is so different than any villain we've had, and it fit for him to have a theme, a musical identity that's so different from anything we've really seen. Agreed. So I was pretty happy with that. Do you think that Thrawn is going to be the villain throughout – rebels from here on out and like that's how it's going to end when Thrawn dies or do you think that his time is numbered um I definitely think his days are limited Bendu says so much at the end um now if I think he'll be the main villain for next season I don't know um I think he's definitely an interesting enough of a character that I wouldn't mind um one thing I I would love to see more of Thrawn and Hera because they have a weird connection. Yeah. Um, there's that moment when Thrawn is firing on them when they're all still on um, the planet and Hera is just staring up into space and it's like, and it cuts back and forth between these close-ups of their faces and she looks terrified. And then that's when it cuts back to Thrawn and he says, okay, enough. And then they stop. Um, and then when he lands, it was like, he saw her, um, and then when they were on the planet too, Thrawn is kind of exclusively speaking to Hera. He's not really talking to anyone else. So that's kind of interesting. So I would like to see more of that because Hera against Thrawn, because she's super smart too. So that would be an interesting, an interesting battle of the battle of the brains, I guess. Battle of the wits. <laughs> battle of the. Thank you, thank you. Battle <laughs> of the wits. I mean, what do you think? Would you want Thrawn to be the next villain again for season I, four? I, mm, yeah, I do. Because I think that Rebels needs a huge villain because they can't use Vader every time. It's just like a gimme and they can't hire James Earl Jones every time, you know? I mean, they could. <laughs> I, You know they can't. So, like, <laughs> it, it would be so good if they kept him because it would be – they need a villain. Yes, they do need a villain. Thrawn would have to, I mean, obviously he'd have to do something different for the next for the next season for it to work. Um, I definitely want to see more of Thrawn, and I think we will. Uh, I'll just be interested to see what more they do with his character to make him more menacing. What's his ending going to be like since Bendu predicted it with like a bunch of arms? What was that? What was up with that? Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it Borgullet? <laughs> Borgullet. Um, I'm gonna veto Borgullet because I'm not (laughs) Borgullet, Rathtars leave him in just no, we don't need him (laughs) Um, okay, this might sound like a little too morbid but (laughs) 
Um, so the whole arms thing, it kind of, like, I kind of thought of, like, a mass grave and, like, Thrawn is, like, buried alive almost. I know that's super weird, but that's kind of what I thought of. That's your immediate image. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you talk about, like, all these hands and it's, like, zombies, that's kind of what it sounded like. Because I'm like, well, are you going to have, like, ten rebels, like, all grab Thrawn at the same time and then, like, one shoot him? I I don't know. Cut me off. I'm going in a weird place. You go. (laughs) You know, you bring up an interesting string of thoughts. (laughs) For sure. I'm but, going on, like, really limited sleep here, no. so I'm going to say that. No, here's the thing. Like, if, like, something, like, not zombies, but zombie-ish <laughs> could be his death. Like, I see that. I understand that. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad. So maybe something like Brain Invaders, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a really scary episode, so they could release it, um, like, around Halloween. So speaking of Bendu, what do you think of him becoming a giant storm? <laughs> Um, mind blown. Uh, it was really nice to see Bendu kind of tap into that dark side of the force because he always talks about how he's in the middle, he's in the middle, he's in the middle, but it kind of seemed like he took a liking to Kanan, which would kind of make him seem like he's on Kanan's side. And so for him to deny Kanan assistance, again, that was a moment that I didn't see coming. I, I thought Bendu would side with Kanan at the end. And so for him not to and just to, you know, yell out, like, get the heck off my lawn, essentially. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ben do an angry old grandpa. That's basically how Dave Maloney uh, described him. So that's how I, too, shall describe him from now on. The thing is, is it felt very un-Star Wars-y to me. But I welcome that at the same time. I think that Dave's willingness to push the boundaries is something that we all love about him and his direction so i i i I accepted it i know a lot of people didn't but well that's the thing clone wars and rebels it's all about kind of pushing into more of the fantastical mystical side i mean mother talzin um mortis the fact that Bendo even exists, like even the cave in Dagobah, like those are all very mystical things. And I think Bendu falls right into that. And I thought it was really cool. One, I love the introduction of Bendu. I think it's really neat to have a character like that who does, who represents a different facet of the force. Because now we've got like the Mortis guys, we've got Bendu, we've got the Guardian of the Wills, like what their deal is. We're not really sure yet. So there are all these other people that are tapped into the Force in a way that the Jedi aren't. Um, And I think that's really cool to explore more of that because I think the world has talked to Agnosium about how the Jedi don't necessarily have the best relationship with the Force and, you know, how limiting they view it. Um, And they're very restrictive in their culture. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, So what are you looking for in next season? Ahsoka. Just kind of always is number one. Um, but I really want to see more of Kanan. I I love Kanan. I've said this before. I think he's a really great character since he does represent a different facet of the Jedi Order that we've never seen before. Like someone who's just like an average Jedi. I think that's really cool to play with. And Freddie Prince Jr. I love. Um, I really just want to see more of the space family together. It, it's fun when they're all interacting with each other um, and to see them push against each other and also come together. Um, that's really when I what I want to see more of. And I think those are the strongest episodes. 
um, outside of, you know, things like Twin Suns. When we were on Tashi Station, they talked about the possibility of Cassian becoming the new Fulcrum agent, which... Cassian I would... is confirmed canon a Fulcrum. So I really do believe that he will come in next season. I think it's happening. I will... F- I Yes. Um, he just better be played by Diego Luna. That's all I can say. It seems like it's the trend. I bet it's written in their contracts at this point. You know? I bet it is, too. Um, And I bet, like, Diego Luna, I think, would do it anyway because he just seems like a really great person. But that's (laughs) as far as, like, wish list items that are kind of outside of, oh, I'd like to see the Rebels together. I really want to see Cassian slash Diego Luna. I agree. I echo everything you say. I definitely want some more clarity about Ahsoka. I don't know if we'll ever get it, but I definitely want some I know. more. And I think that it's hard to remember that the Rebellion isn't formed and isn't at its peak until A New Hope. And mm-hmm. you see that in Rogue One. It just, like, can't get its ish together. It's just, like, I bet that's something that Rebels really struggles with in terms of writing because they can't be too, like, joyous. Yeah. And, because, and I think that we'll probably see some more of that, like, more failures upon failures upon failures, you know? I think Callus will die because I think that Cassian Don't has to be the next, the next fulcrum. <laughs> Is this in canon that... There cannot be more than one fulcrum agent? I don't think so. I So I think that maybe Cassian doesn't have to die, but he is just, you know, writing a very... No, no, no. I mean, Cassian <laughs> oh, does not die. Cassian. Not Cassian. Like Callus. Callus. So many <laughs> Don't names. make Cassian die before his time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I think we're... Isn't it pretty much confirmed we're probably definitely going to... Yeah, we're going to see Sagarera more. Dave said that there is going to be... Um, some more documentation of like the breakdown of their relationship mm-hmm. with the rebellion, and that's necessary because I really think what we saw of Sagarera in season three was like awesome and a- another amazing connection to the films. Those two episodes I thought did so well of pulling together all of the elements from these different parts of the Star Wars universe the prequels, Clone Wars, Rogue One, the original trilogy. I thought it combined everything really nicely really seamlessly so if every Sagarera episode is like that I will take it Mm -hmm. I also kind of wish we could see Leia again I don't know if we will but it's on my wish list if we're making a wish list (laughs) yeah I think so too I didn't love the voice actress for Leia I know um it wasn't my favorite so that kind of threw it off for me and it was hard her and Ezra's interactions it was hard for me to buy in that they were the same age she seemed much older than Ezra and that kind of bothered me because they are supposed to be about the same age I liked her episode and I would totally be okay with a Leia episode but maybe they can do some more I think there's to address that problem yeah yeah, I think there's room for improvement with Leia, whereas I thought Maul and Saw and Obi-Wan were done really well, and Leia didn't hold up as well for me. Well, I'm really excited to see what's revealed at Star Wars Celebration. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode for this week. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys in about two weeks. Um, we have 
plans to try and upload something during celebration since that Saturday is our regularly scheduled upload week. Um, but we'll have to play it by ear and kind of see how the busyness of the weekend is going and see if we can actually upload something that you all will want to listen to. <laughs> but if that doesn't happen, um, we'll definitely be uploading uh, that Monday or Tuesday when we come back. So it'll be a little off, but hopefully we'll be able to get you guys something during celebration. Also, be sure to check us out on Twitter at SkytalkersPod to talk to us. And if you guys are going to be at celebration, like we definitely want to meet you. And if you if you see us, come up to us and say hi. And if you're not going, you can follow along on our adventures on both of our Twitter accounts that are listed on our podcast Twitter account, which again is SkytalkersPod. It's also going to be on our website, skytalkers.com. But we're really excited for celebration. I've said this a million times over, but I'm just really excited to meet um, everyone that we've gotten to know in the podcasting world so far. I'm just so excited to see people's faces um, in real life. So if you're going to be at Celebration, yes, I I wasn't going to say IRL, but now that you've said it, IRL. So if you're going to be at Celebration, please, please, please come and say hi. We would love to talk to you and uh, talk about maybe some new trailers that are dropping. Who knows? IDK, man. Um, And also hit us up for some of our bumper stickers and we've got some Sky Talker stickers. It's going to be out of this world. It's going to be in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) And I cannot wait. So signing off, as always, may the force force be with you. you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sky Talkers, This Galactic Life, part of the Assembly of Geeks podcasting network. Find the girls on skytalkers.com and we'll see you next time.